everybody, and thank you for joining us for this week's edition of Your Mortgage Process. I, of course, am your host, Greg Wareham, and thanks for joining us. I'm so excited today. We are filming this on location at Keller Williams Ocean Living in Point Pleasant, New Jersey. And today, our guest is Rosemary Connell. Welcome, Rosemary. Thank you very much. We were just talking a minute ago about our dance moves, and Rosemary was telling me she was an exceptional dancer. <laughs> and, and, you know, I play cards. That's my move. It's like I'm dealing a deck of cards. Everyone makes fun of me. So anyway, so Rosemary, tell us about yourself. How long have you been in the industry for? Uh, three years. And have you enjoyed it? I love it. It was a little challenging at the beginning. I was a little bit nervous. I came from corporate America. Okay. So I was a little bit worried about how I was going to transition into dealing with the consumer face-to-face and uh, how I was going to build my business. But um, it worked out pretty well. I've been pretty successful over the past three years, and I truly enjoy it. Uh, it's fantastic. So corporate America, what did you do prior to this? Um, I was in operations management okay. with Johnson & Johnson for 13 years. Mm-hmm. Um, I ran a customer service call center for the med- medical surgical um, arm of Johnson and Johnson. So you have to be nice all the time, all the time, okay. all the time. Very pleasing. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and then I sold, I transitioned into a sales role and I sold technology solutions to pharmaceutical companies. And how long did you do that for? Uh, too long. Okay. That's why I'm here. <laughs> I got tired of it. <laughs> and why did you, did you make the switch for that reason? Uh, yeah, I just, I just felt like I needed something different to do. I was traveling quite a bit. Sure. Um, and I just needed a little bit of a different challenge for myself. I wanted to spend a little bit more time at home with my family and my sure. grandson. Uh, you have a grandson? I do. Uh, how old? He's nine. Oh, really? He's that old? Yeah, yeah. Okay. He's a sweetie pie. Oh, that's awesome. He stays with me in the summers. We have a good time. Uh, he, loves to sell re- he loves to sell real estate. <laughs> He's good at it. He's learning. <laughs> he likes the inspection process. Okay. Who doesn't? <laughs> that's the fun part about it. Now, you have an anniversary we were just talking about. I do. I just had the third anniversary of my first open house in real estate. Wow. How did time fly by? It really did. You came in at an interesting time in the industry. So you would have been right ahead of COVID for about six months? Right. Right. Okay. Right. I was ahead of COVID. Um, and I started my business basically doing open houses, making connections with people. Mm-hmm. And every conversation I have basically turns into a real estate conversation, which is always fun. I uh, get tired of it every once in a while, but it's, you know, it's a great, it's a great, uh, door opener. Now, do you feel as that just kind of flows into that conversation or is that kind of just you're in that that sales mode all the time? Actually, no. People know I sell real estate. Okay. I do a lot of marketing for myself. So people know I sell real estate and they take me there. I never have to ask. Got it. And why did you start with open houses? Um, I didn't, I've, I've never sold to consumers before and I figured it was the easiest way for me to get in front of people sure. um, without having to do, you know, marketing and everything up front, mm-hmm. um, I wanted to build my business on my own. Bef- so I knew what my spend was from a marketing perspective. Sure. I didn't want to spend what I didn't have and I didn't want to overextend myself. So I Makes started sense. with the open houses. So a question for you for newer people that are out there. So if you start with open houses and you're going on an open house appointment, you're meeting people, how do you follow up with them? Oh, um, well, First of all, I always connect with people on a personal note at open houses. Mm-hmm. I understand what their needs are from a home buying perspective. But then, you know, we always get a little bit personal. Um, I follow up with phone calls. I follow up with emails. I follow up with te- 
text messages, mm -hmm. oftentimes people prefer the text, I find. Mm -hmm. So um, so I do whatever works for them. And I always ask the question. I don't want to start texting someone that would rather, you know, get an email from me or get a phone call from me. I don't want to annoy someone sure. <laughs> with something that they're not happy with. How frequently do you follow up with them? Um, after the open houses, uh, the Monday right after the weekend. Okay. Um, oftentimes, if I... Um, I may follow up more frequently, like sooner on, if we do an open house on a Saturday, I might follow up on a Saturday afternoon because someone else came into my open house, told me they left another home and I'll call clients that were just in my open house and say, Hey, just talk with someone. They were looking at a home. If you're still in the area, I'd love to show it. My open house is ending in a half an hour. I'll meet you over there. Here's the address. So Sometimes it depends on the scenario. Yeah, you strike me as someone who's always kind of on it. You have a really good personality, and it's uh, what you do, and that you're always kind of putting yourself out there, having more and more conversations with people. Yeah, well, you know, I, I think it's kind of a nurturing, a nurturing um, attitude or a nurturing mindset that you have. Sure. If you're, I don't know, I'm a mom, I'm a mima, so I like to help people. I like to um, make people happy. How'd you end up with mima? Not grandma or not nana? I have no idea. Okay. I was doing grandma because we had mamums and nanas in my home, in uh -huh. my family. So I was doing grandma because I didn't want to be the same as my okay. sisters and my mother. And Lucas just started calling me Mima. And then all of a sudden, there it was on Big Bang Theory. I'm like, there's such a thing. <laughs> you thought you invented it. Yeah, I was excited. <laughs> hey, I have a question for you about making a transition from corporate America to retail, right? Mm -hmm. Consumer retail. How do you find, what do you find the biggest difference in that? Selling corporately versus to the consumer directly? Um, corporate America, you pretty much know your audience mm. and you build, um, you build, you learn about the teams of people that you want to address and you research them Sure. and you research them through LinkedIn and then you build, you build their corporate teams. So mm -hmm. you identify the specific people that you want to target, you know who they are and you understand what their roles are. And then you go in and you identify the problems that they need to solve. Now, I'm selling real estate, so I'm doing it on a, a much smaller scale. Mm -hmm. It's more of a personal scale. I basically do the same thing. I just scale it down, and I focus on the individual instead of the large project or the large project team. I just focus on the individual and the family needs. That's fantastic because it really it makes it scalable for you, right? You're used to doing it in that fashion, corporate mm -hmm. American. I, I love what you're saying there because it's about researching who you're going to go after, you build the teams, you're doing all that stuff on LinkedIn, and then being able to take that model and tweak it to be direct to the consumer from a questioning standpoint right. and going deep with them. That's great. It's funny. When I work with folks from corporate America, um, I always try to be very organized with them. So I create spreadsheets for our day and the houses we're going to see. And uh, I didn't notice. Instead, just... of, instead, of giving, <laughs> instead of giving them, you know, the MLS page, the, you know, the listing... I take all the homes and I put them in a spreadsheet so that they could see everything at a glance and compare everything. And some people are just like, Whoa. So Rosemary <laughs> sent me an email last week and sent me the oh. spreadsheet to go through it. I mean, this thing is detailed. <laughs> We're talking sales costs. You know, you have everything but depreciation in there. <laughs> Very detailed. Hey, but you were great because I was able to work with you to say, hey, this is what I put together for my client, yeah. and I really want to talk through it with you yep. and um, make sure 
that everything is sound and makes sense and I'm thinking the right way? Should I twist my hat a little bit? Is there something else that I'm missing? Yeah. And um, it was a great conversation. So Definitely. Thank it's you all about that. teamwork. Oh, my pleasure. <laughs> so what are you seeing in the marketplace right now? Um, seeing the buyer pool go down. Okay. I'm also seeing prices still a little bit escalated mm -hmm. and buyers wondering why their homes aren't selling. Sure. Um, kind of missed the curve a little bit, you know, but um, it's nothing that we can't get through. Sure. As far as just um, speaking with the sellers, understanding uh, or happy, helping them to understand um, where their price should be. Sure. And why it should be there. And coming to that conclusion with them, I will never, I, I am a guide. I don't tell people what they should list their homes for. Mm -hmm. I provide them with as much intelligence as possible so that they can become comfortable with determining what they're asking price. Yeah, just the be. complete education associated right. with it. Mm -hmm. That's great. I mean, we were talking earlier, uh, Rosemary and I were in a meeting earlier today, and you do see the market, you know, it's changing. I mean, interest rates are obviously up. Uh, Federal Reserve's meeting again this week. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we'll see what happens. We'll see where interest rates go. We'll see where affordability goes. We'll see how that impacts the market from a price point standpoint. Right. Uh, you know, it's interesting in the, in the last meeting the Federal Reserve had, they had mentioned that they were trying to slow down housing. And they're starting to do a little bit of a good job at it. It's working. <laughs> it's working. <laughs> but, you know, hopefully we see that start to loosen up in the, in the near future. So what are your goals going into the back end of the year? It's already September. Ugh. You know, what are we doing the next three months? Went too fast. It went too it sure fast. Sure did. September is always the fastest month. I was just saying that to my son this morning, yeah. dropping him off at school. Yeah, you finish up the summer and then all of a sudden, boom. But um, I'm going to keep doing what I'm doing. Um, I'm a big listing agent. I do yep. work with a lot of buyers as well. Um, I have a couple of partners that I work with. We work very, very closely together. So we enhance each other. Um, I'm always uh, all for sharing, sharing knowledge and sharing wealth of information. Sure. Um, so when someone uh, uses me as a listing agent, they're not just getting me. They're getting my partners. They're getting my team. They're getting my broker. I, I'm very vocal with my listings so that um, I can get other people's perspectives on if I need to do anything differently or you know, just think out of the box a little bit more. I'm always, I'm always innovative in that sense. Yeah, that's 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 great. We go into the back of the year, back end of the year of this. All right, we got three months left. Mm -hmm. What's our plan? <laughs> My plan is to get more listings, and I am doing really well. Yeah. I have a lot of appointments, um, a lot of folks, but a lot of folks are still, you know, listing their homes a little bit higher. So it is a challenge. They want to list it a little bit higher, but as long as you have a clear cut plan moving forward, sure. you can get them through that. And oftentimes, when you're on the listing appointment, it's advantageous to have the conversation about we're going to list the house. This is how we're going to market it. Um, this is this is what we're going to do moving forward. This is what you're going to do, and this is what I'm going to do. Sure. Um, to set and, the expectations, right? Set the, the expectation, sure. and then X amount of days, we need to talk about lowering the price, and let's discuss what that should be. So we'll do market values again, see what's sold recently, identify where we need to be. Because you're, you know... Your home is only worth what someone's willing to pay for it. Yeah, no question about it. What more? What area do you cover? Um, I cover Brick, Brick, New Jersey, the whole mm -hmm. Jersey Shore, Monmouth sure. and Ocean County. Um, I go up into the Monroe area as well, Middlesex County. Mm -hmm. I was born and raised in Middlesex County. Oh, where were you? Where were you raised at? North Brunswick. Okay. Yeah, and I, we've been down here for some time, so I love it here. I also have my license in Florida. Okay. 
So um, I cover, I live, I have a place in Palm Beach Gardens. Very nice. Yeah, yeah. So I cover Port St. Lucie through Fort Lauderdale on the East Coast. That's awesome. Now you're into boating, aren't you? I'm sorry? Aren't you into boating? Oh, yes. I think I see some pictures on Facebook of you boating. Yes, we love boating. We're definitely boaters. All right. Now you you eventually relocate, you think, to Florida? Eventually. Okay. Eventually. I, I, I would like to say eventually, but... My kids and my grandson are here, so I would always have to do summers. My summers will always be in New Jersey. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> now, if someone was looking to sell a home or buy a home in the area that you cover in New Jersey, Monmouth Ocean County, or down in Florida, what's the best way to reach out to you? Um, you can reach out to me through my Facebook page, through my, um, my website, um, or just a quick telephone call or text. What's I, your phone number? It's 732 233 Six nine six one. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much for spending a few minutes with us, Rosemary. Thank Do you, you have anything else to say? I, what else do you I, want to talk about? Oh, I don't know. How about you? Where are you from? Tell everyone where you're from. Well, that's a great question. <laughs> so I live in I live in Homedale, New Jersey. We've been there since 2012. It's actually the only time I bought low in the marketplace anywhere I've ever lived. Oh wow. We lived prior to that, we lived in Sparta, New Jersey. Oh. And we were there from, let's say, from 2000 to 2012. And I've always kind of worked the Jersey Shore area from Red Bank at times down even to Manahawken. So I commuted for a really long period of time. Finally... Uh, we were able, we sold the house up north, took, took a big loss on it and bought <laughs> down here in 2012. But I'm originally from Brockton, Massachusetts. Oh, okay. So when I ended up down here, now that you ask, mm-hmm. I ended, I worked for a mortgage company, Champion Mortgage in mm-hmm. Quincy, Massachusetts. Uh, your bank says no, Champion says yes. I worked ah. there. <laughs> I worked there for a few years and they transferred me down here to their corporate headquarters in Parsippany, New Jersey to start a new project for them. And Nick's going to love that. The new project is internet. <laughs> uh, so so I'm old and from New England originally. Oh, wow. So, well, we're glad that you, they transferred you. Well, you know what? At the end of the day on it, I, I love what I do like you love what, what you do. And there's nothing that I like more about it than spending time with the Rosemary's of the world. It's fantastic. And thank you so much for taking the thank time. You. I know how busy you are. Thank you very much. All right. Thanks, Rosemary. Have a good one. You too. Bye-bye. Bye. I'd like to welcome our next guest, Mr. Frank DiLorenzo. Frank, thanks for taking the time to join us. I know how busy you are. Oh, it's a pleasure. <laughs> pleasure to be here. So tell us about yourself, Frank. How long have you been in the industry for? I, you know what? This is my seventh year. Okay. Um, five years full time. Okay. Um, I got into the industry because I was a property investor mm-hmm. and got tired of being covered in cheat rock dust. Okay. And segued into this full time and you know haven't looked back you know and that's a good that's a good segue so you're already kind of familiar with real estate being an investor on it well and more so um i was 10 years in the mortgage industry right i know we've had some deep conversations associated with that why'd you leave the mortgage business uh well we got regulated out right um when the uh, implosion happened I was actually doing better, and the company that I was associated with closed, and I went to another company, they closed, and, you know, I was tired of looking for jobs in a, yeah. you, know, a, you know, in an industry that I did very well in, and I was quite lost. Right. 
It was a tough time. And we've, uh, again, we've had the conversations about that. You go back to 2008 when everything really started to hit the fan. You know, mortgage companies were going out of business daily. Oh, absolutely. Um, as a matter of fact, uh, I had my better years in 2006 and 2007. Mm -hmm. uh, I leveled off in 2008, but where everybody else was running away, uh, I was having trouble keeping the parent company solvent. Right. Right. Well, you cared, you know, you care and try to keep it pushing in the right direction. Absolutely. So then we make the segue over to real estate. You're doing it for five years full time right now. So what is the area that you cover? Uh, you know, I, I like to work in my own backyard. Um, I live in Bricktown. Mm -hmm. uh, so I prefer uh, not much further than Forked River and not much further up than Wall Township and uh, east of 195. Okay. You know, question for you in this area, in the Point Pleasant, the waterfront area, what makes it unique when you look at things like boat rights and, you know, and docks and all of that, what makes it unique from a real estate perspective? Well, you really have to know your trade sure. when, when it comes to waterfront. There are uh, tidelands issues, there's flood elevation. Um, there are so many things that are uh, unique to waterfront property. Um, I've lived on the water since 1983 down here. Okay. And um, so, you know, it definitely gave me a leg up. I understand. I went through Sandy. I know what these people, these sellers are going through today. And also with buyers, you know, what to look for. Something simple like just picture the street. Right. Right. Now, when you say, right, because you got to deal with all the water issues. You, you have to yeah. deal, you know, that doesn't go away. And, you know, sometimes your position on the block. Mm will, you know, just decide if it's a good idea to buy there or not. You know, that's why it's critical, especially in this marketplace. You have to work with a local person that understands the market. And for you, you've lived here on the water since 1983. So you know it personally and professionally. Absolutely. And, you know, you also have to surround yourself with the right team. Right. You, you have to have the surveyor that understands. You have to have the attorney that understands. Mm. Uh, you know, my go-to waterfront attorney lives in the community right he went through sandy he he just knows um you, you know there could be better attorneys out there but this guy walks the walk and that's so important so how did you see things change after sandy um on a um uh you know on a business level right. uh we uh, we took quite a uh, quite a hit Right. So the waterfront market took a double hit, first off from the implosion of housing back mm -hmm. in 2009, 2008. Sure. Uh, and then again in 2012, um, it's not uncommon to lose a quarter of a million dollars overnight in equity. Wow. Uh, and that's what happened to me. Up until two years ago, uh, we haven't reached the 2007 highs. Right. It took that long. So when we look at the demand, obviously went down after the crash of 2008, then Sandy hits and overnight you lose $250,000 in equity. That's correct. That's correct. And you know, you don't think you're ever going to go out. You have to deal with, uh, you know, am I going to elevate? Am I not going to elevate? Uh, when I made the decision to do it, I, I was a firm believer that if a 
property was not elevated. It was unsaleable. Right. And uh, with the pandemic and the demand for second homes that we had had uh, due to interest rates and people wanting to get out, uh, suddenly it really didn't matter. Right. But we, we uh, stood more of the cautious side. So Frank, when you look at elevation, I know that the elevation has bearing on what type of flood insurance that you need. It could also have bearing on whether or not you can get a mortgage on the property in some areas. What's the idea elevation? And I know it changes town by town, but what are we really looking at? 13 feet? Well, uh, again, it, it actually, it will literally change street by street. Okay. Uh, an example, uh, where my personal home is, uh, is a nine-foot elevation. Uh, there's a canal, which we call lagoons locally, mm -hmm. and the person across from me sharing the same canal is an eight-foot elevation. Hmm. Now, I can literally throw a penny and hit the guy's house. Right. But the way the flood maps are, it's okay for him to be a foot below me. Okay. And we say flood map, we're looking at like the FEMA flood map, FEMA right? FEMA flood maps. Uh, the ideal, to answer your question though, the ideal situation is to be uh, two feet over whatever your individual number is, uh, where you'll be safe from future adjustments, you'll be safe, um, you know, as far as flood insurance and what have you. So two foot over is a good barometer. We did three when we elevated. Okay. You know, that's a nugget of information for people that are purchasing in a flood zone and, and you want to look at your elevation. Two feet's idea because then you can, you can gauge or hedge against future adjustments. That's correct. I mean, we still don't know right now if what they predicted is going to be inked in as permanent. Sure. You know, they, these were projections, but you just never know. And how frequently do you see that flood map change? I believe the last time was 83. Okay. So it's typically not something that'll happen every January. Uh, but, you, you know, there's no written rule. Uh, you know, another bad storm, another yeah. bad hit where, where FEMA finds that they're not in a good situation uh, could trigger it. Right. I mean, same house, as an example, prior to December of 2012, my house sat two feet above the elevation. After Sandy and they reshuffled the cards, same house, same foundation was now a foot below. Hmm. So they literally changed it three feet. So not only you get the you get to hit the value after Sandy, but also the cost associated with raising the house higher. Absolutely, absolutely. Now there were. Uh, a lot of uh, grant money <clears throat> that was out there um, and very, very difficult to deal with. Um, you know, we were fortunate where we, you know, where we did get some help. But at the end of the day, it was 50 cents on a dollar. Wow. And I'd say from a, from a flood insurance standpoint, so, you know, everyone's aware out there. When you, if you have a mortgage on a property, you have to have flood insurance. If it's a conventional loan, you can get FEMA flood insurance or you can get private flood insurance. If it's an FHA loan, has to be FEMA flood insurance. And at times, you can find the FEMA flood insurance is more expensive than the private flood insurance. You, you know, <clears throat> I'm not well versed in that, I have to tell you. Uh, I That's why we make a good team. Frank. I see that. <laughs> I, I, 
I really don't know enough about yeah. private flood insurance to make a difference. I would imagine, and correct me if I'm wrong, that would tie in when you want more than $250,000 worth. Well, no, it's actually, if you have any mortgage on it, you have to have flood insurance. The two fifty is the minimum maximum that you can get with FEMA. Now, I'm wondering if after that two fifty, if you request more, that's where the private entities come yeah, in. Private entities can come in as well, or you can go direct to private entities for a conventional mortgage on the entire flood insurance. And generally, you find it, it's a little less expensive for the private flood insurance. Interesting. So, Frank, we're just going to take a quick break. Greg Wareham, Frank DiLorenzo, we'll be right back at you. So I wanted to thank today's sponsor, Cousin's Seafood Clam Bar. They have two convenient locations, one located in Marlboro, New Jersey, right on South Main Street, and another newer location located in New Brunswick on Albany Street, right by the, right by the college. Now, Cousin's Seafood Clam Bar was founded in 2016, and they pride themselves on serving the freshest and highest quality of foods while maintaining a fun and vibrant atmosphere for all their guests. I've been there before to the location of Marlboro. It's fantastic. Their menu consists of a wide variety of seafood dishes as well as evolving into a steakhouse with high quality meats. They have a full range of items from the raw bar, oysters, clam, lobster, crab meat, king crab legs. I mean, they got everything there. And they have some amazing entrees with pastas, chicken entrees, porterhouse steak, and tomahawk platters. The tomahawk you got to check out. Again, I want to thank today's sponsor, Cousin Seafood Clam Bar, located in Marlboro, New Jersey, and New Brunswick, New Jersey. So I have a question for you on Tidelands. You'd mentioned Tidelands, and I don't think people even know what it is unless they're in the area. What are Tidelands? Uh, Tidelands, basically, who owns what where. Okay. Um, you know, there are all kinds of different things, um, depending on the type of water. Uh, if you're open water or if you're in a lagoon. Right. There are two different sets of rules with those. Um, my particular street has both. Um, I'm, I'm waterfront on a canal. The houses across the street from me are waterfront op open water. And there are two different sets of rules for both of them. And is it in reference to how much of it you own? It's, it's a lot of different things. Okay. Um, you know, when you're dealing with open water, you have to deal more with the ecology. Right. Uh, I mean, God forbid there's an endangered seaweed species right. that's growing on the rocks. The rocks got to stay. Right. Uh, yeah, it, it makes sense. It's just, but yet across the way, uh, again, just across the street, it's not an issue. Um, where your docks go, mm -hmm. okay, um, if you're going out into the water, uh, is, it, is it a grant? Is it a lease? Is it illegal? Right. And so there's a whole bunch of stuff there. Sure. Now, does that generally come up on a title search as to what exactly is owned? Or is it a survey? Uh, you, you know, I, I think it's more of a Tideland search. Okay. Right. It makes sense. Yeah. Where, where, where that would come into play. Uh, of course, surveys will, you know, compare the before and after and what you did and what you didn't do. Sure. I, I mean, it's absolutely critical when you're buying a vacation home and the water is associated with it, it's absolutely critical that you work with someone like yourself that really understands this local marketplace and the nuances associated with it. It's not as easy as, hey, I want that beachfront property. No, it's, it, it's not. I mean, as an example, if you were buying a house in a, in a development that's landlocked, yeah. I mean, you know, that, that's a no-brainer. I mean, short of the survey, um, 
unless there were wetlands attached to it. Okay, and that changes the whole game. Oh, we're going deeper. Wetlands, well, yeah. Well, just to put it into perspective, okay, yeah. that's when you need somebody that specializes in that area. Sure. Um, you know, waterfront property, I mean, it's all wetlands. Right. So if you've had the challenge with landlock and, and uh, like the little corners wetlands, could yeah. you imagine the entire property? Sure. Being in that situation. Yeah, right. No, that's a great point. And, you know, it's things like wetlands. You know, people hear the terms, right? I think wetlands, and I think it's something that's a protected part of the state. But when you're purchasing, and those are real issues in your in the property that you're looking to buy, I mean, these are serious considerations. And more than anything, just the edu- education associated with understanding it. Absolutely. You know, there's also, um, you know, in, in waterfront, the towns will regulate the height of the buildings. Uh, the towns will regulate uh, coverage mm. because, you know, you're typically dealing with smaller properties. Right. Uh, you know, it's not uncommon uh, to have waterfront property with 5,000 square foot plots. Right. So, you know, you want to put a 3,500 square foot house on there, you better do your homework. Sure. No. And, you know, yeah. and because of the turnover that we've had with Sandy, where existing houses were leveled, mm-hmm. okay, you may be forced to stay in that existing footprint. Right. You know, so there's a lot involved with that. Yeah. You got to understand it all in a lot of detail. I mean, it's seawall issues. Mm-hmm. You know, you have to; those have to be up to a certain specification, I would imagine. Oh goodness, we uh, we replaced our bulkhead this year. A bulkhead is what you would call a seawall, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, in, in the in the application process, we found out that two owners ago they illegally filled in the property. Mm. And, and, and when you say the property, you mean like part of the yard? Part of the yard. Okay. Part of the yard. And we were kind of left holding the bag. Right. And we had the Army Corps of Engineers involved. And and this simple process of bulkheading uh, took over a year of planning. Wow. So it's not something, you know, uh, that, that you just snap your fingers. And, of course, with all the uh, inventory and... Uh, uh, material shortages that we had mm. uh, every couple of months was a few more thousand dollars it was costing me to get this project done. <laughs> Turned out great though. Yeah, well, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it, it would have been everything at a price, right? right? Everything for a price. Right. Uh, you know, we also uh, applied for. Um, here's another issue. Y- you know, wh- when you're dealing with waterfront uh, and you have your bulkhead. Um, a typical bulkhead installation uh, gets um, uh, not renovated. The word that I'm looking for, uh, eight foot back. Okay. Okay. They actually excavate eight feet from the back water from line. The, okay. Well, Ex- all right. Eight feet back into your yard from eight, the water eight line. Eight feet okay, back into it. the yard. Uh, on my particular case, my my home sits fifteen feet from the bulkhead. So we had situations with staircases, with, uh, with pavers, mm-hmm. and what do you do? Or right. what do you do if you have a pool? Right. Okay. Um, we actually had a different technique done. It's called helical piles. And they literally, instead of 
pulling back eight feet, um, putting uh, railroad tie, uh, excuse me, uh, telephone poles parallel to the bulkhead and tying them in so the bulkhead is steady. Mm. Okay, they actually had to drill in steel rods. They mm. call them helical coils, and that actually holds the bulkhead. Um, my patio started three feet from the bulkhead, and we didn't have to move anything. Okay. Wow. Yeah, that sounds like a cheap project. <laughs> uh, it, it probably added twenty yeah. percent. Okay. To the to the cost, maybe more. Wow. But you have to do it. Otherwise, I was taking out the patio. I was taking out a staircase. Sure. It doesn't end. Yeah, you know what? I tell you, this is like fascinating stuff, and it's such a unique nuance to the Jersey Shore area and all shoreline. Because I, I would even imagine that different states and different towns, they have different rules. Oh, uh, I, I'm sure the states do. I know that the towns do, for sure. You, you know, when you talk about understanding uh, the inventory, sure. uh, I saw something yesterday. It was a fresh listing. Uh, it was a property that was uh, priced well, was waterfront, and uh, and they did mention that they needed a bulkhead. However, they had a pool that was three feet from the bulkhead. Mm. And I don't even know if they would be able to uh, secure it with helical coils being that close. That, right. may, be an, uh, that may be an unsaleable property. Working wow. with an agent that doesn't understand that um, You're just taking the listing. Could, yeah, yeah. could be catastrophic. Sure. Yeah, that, I mean, this is really a great conversation, Frank, and I, I appreciate how deep that you're going on this subject. So, I mean, obviously, if you're buying a property at the New Jersey Shore and you're dealing with any type of water issue or anything like that, you got to work with someone who really knows what they're doing. What's the best way to reach out to you, Frank? The best way to reach out to me um, is my cell. I always have it with me. Um, and that's 732-330-1232. Um, believe it or not, I always answer. Yep. I know I'm you do. One of those guys. Right. And, We're old school uh, guys. Always answer the phone. You know, and you know, and if it's just a matter of answering a simple question about Waterfront, I'd be more than happy to sure. do that for you. Well, hey, if anyone's got any questions about Waterfront, you know, Frank's the guy to talk to. Uh, give your number one more time, please, Frank. Yes. 732-330-1232. One, two, three, two. All right. Across and back. Fantastic. And, you know, maybe we'll do something in the future where we go even deeper on this and we pull a flood expert into it and some engineers into it so we can really get a really good grasp as to everything that we got to look at. I look forward to doing that. Thank you so much for having me hey, today, Hey, I Greg. appreciate you taking the time, Frank. Have a wonderful All day. All right. Thanks. You too, Frank. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you for tuning in to this week's edition of Your Mortgage Process, hosted by Greg Wareham, produced by Greg Wareham and Nick Pavise at The Social Rift, and executively produced by The Social Rift. Thank you again for tuning in, and we look forward to catching up with you next week.